the thing that I've been really struck by is how Jesus seemed to make it really easy for people to be involved. Like you look at right at the beginning of his ministry, he, he went to the Sea of Galilee where people were fishing and they weren't looking for God. They weren't in church. They didn't, they hadn't been through recovery. Um, there was nothing we knew about them except that they were looking for fish, which means they were just working to try to make money, right? And Jesus says, follow me and I will make you become fishers of people. He didn't say, hey, well, fill out this application and go to, you know, go to Bible school. And then when you're done, get involved with your denomination and go up, jump through the hoops and eventually you'll, you'll be qualified. No, he's just like right on the spot. Follow me and I will make you become fishers of people. And I love that, you know, and he even went to like Matthew, the, the, the tax collector, who was like notorious, like like everyone uh, knew that they were like full on criminals. And he called him and he didn't say, hey, you know, by the way, you got to completely like clean up your mouth and, you know, and we're going to do weekly UAs. And, you know, like Matthew, we know you come from a rough background, so, you know, you hand, need to hand in your firearm. And, you know, I mean, he didn't there's no require no, no statement about what he had to do in the story. It's just like. Matthew left, but Matthew left his his tax booth. So that was important, right? And and he followed Jesus. And so right away, they're just doing the work together with Jesus. And Jesus wasn't ashamed of them. And I love that, you know? And um I think um we want to be a place where where we're deputizing, we're letting the Holy Spirit be the one that deputizes us. Okay. And that doesn't mean that we don't all need to be changing. Like I'm the first one that needs to change. And keep growing and becoming a more Jesus-like person, right? Because Jesus says, follow me, okay? And that's a lifelong process. I've got to work on that every day to follow Jesus, right? And when I follow him, he's going to be reminding me of things that need to need to change in the way that I'm, you know, I'm behaving, right? Stuff that hurts people. And, you know, and believe me, you know, even though I've been a Christian my whole life, I, I still hurt people with things that I say. And I, I need to change. Um, and I'm very aware of it, you know. And so, you know, just being a human and living in a family causes you to have to change or, or you're going to be in a lot of conflict probably, right? <laughs> I don't know. That's what I've experienced. Like, God is always like saying, listen to Gracie, listen to Anna, you know. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Even though I don't agree and I think I have my reasons for holding my position or whatever, like humbling ourselves is super important. So one of the things that Jesus says in Matthew 23, he says, but do not be called rabbi. That means great one, my great one. It was, but it was kind of the term that you'd use for like pastor or whatever, a preacher. Don't be called rabbi for one is your teacher. You know, one is your teacher. In other words, God himself, right? Yeah. Or, or Jesus in this case. And you are all brothers and sisters. He went into it. All of you guys are brothers and sisters. Don't call anyone on earth your father. Right. Um, that's that's a normal thing in a lot of circles. We call the pastor, the priest, father. OK. And sometimes in our setting, a lot of us have not had fathers. You know, we've we've had really negative experiences of fathers. We have father wounds. And so we're expecting, you know, in some maybe un, you know, unstated way, we're, we're hoping that that someone's going to be like a father to us that we didn't have or a mother to us that we didn't have. And that's natural. And that's completely un understandable. But the thing is, anyone who's in that role is going to disappoint you. I've had lots of people who've been father figures for me. 
apart from my dad, um, who was very imperfect, but a, but a good man. And every single father figure in my life has disappointed me, right? And, and that's just the way it is. I'm going to disappoint anybody here who looks at me that way just because I'm, I'm a human being. And, and actually, I'm a brother. I'm your brother more than I am anything else, right? And um, anyone in, in any kind of leadership, you know, we're all, the, level, the ground is level. Okay, like we're all um, we're all disciples. You know, I love it. Um, you know, Jesus says right here, uh, call no one leader. Wow, that is crazy. I I'm I'm game with that. I, I don't want to be a leader. You know, I, I used to be called the senior leader at Channel Web and I've X'd that off my title. You know, these titles are really destructive, you know. Like if people are listening to me just because I'm doctor or reverend or pastor or whatever, I mean that. If, if authority is just based on some hierarchical system rather than just on, you know, being a humble, truth-speaking person, then that sucks. we got to change that, right? We want to be, we want our authority to be God-given that comes from us just walking in the light of Christ. And that's something all of us can do equally, okay? It's just a matter of us being, you know, just humble enough to just admit our, our, that we need God every day and we need to confess our sins and receive our forgiveness, Every day. So I love this. Um, don't be called leaders. For one is your leader. That is Christ. Um, but the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself should be humble. And whoever humbles himself or herself shall be exalted. So if we humble ourselves, which isn't hard to do if you, if you know that you don't know uh, what you're talking about, right? <laughs> which, you know, try just being out there teaching and sharing the faith to complicated people in our county. You know, we have such a precious group of people in this county who are complex, lot people with complex lives. Try sharing the faith with people who are going through really hard times. And it's very humbling. You realize, wow, Jesus, like, give me some words, like help, 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 help. It's a constantly hum humbling experience, right? Mm -hmm. So all it takes is just a little bit of practice out there in the world. Being a parent, that's hard enough, right? Yeah. Very humbling. The most humbling thing I've ever done is be a parent, and it doesn't end when your kids are adults because you still are being humbled constantly by how smart they are and how much they know about you that you are, are you know, I can deny all kinds of things about myself, but Anna can give me give very detailed descriptions of aspects of myself that to the point where I can't deny it, I just have to say, oh, you're right. Wow. Well, I got hopefully I'll change in the next couple of years. So anyway, I wanted to, to is this video working? Yeah. I want you guys to hear what my mom went through, okay, a little bit. Because, you know, I want to change this. I want us to be a group that changes this way of being. It just uh, causes um, it to be hard for anyone to step into ministry. Because we think, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not qualified enough. Check out what my mom went through. No. He stole that motorcycle. The day I, I stole a motorcycle. And I said to Don, like, oh, God, the police when just came to our door, Bob stole a motorcycle. She said, oh, then you can't leave it. You can't leave the bicycle. So that was the end of any influence I had in that church. Okay, Bob, did you hear that? I couldn't hear it. I'm going to play it again. It's, it's crazy. My mom, when I was 13... I stole a motorcycle, okay? Like I was getting high all the time and 
partying and discovering that whole life of everything. And I had this really beat up dirt bike and some of my friends, they found this really nice, beautiful, sweet, excellent bike that a neighbor had down the road. And, and they um, told me about how they'd taken it and brought it down into the woods, but they needed a place to, they needed to move it from this park way, way a long ways from our house to our, to somewhere safe. And so my garage, I thought, perfect, you know? <laughs> Uh, and so I helped, um, you know, move the bike. I moved the bike from where they stashed it into my garage, and then I took it all apart. And the parts I didn't want, I, I took it in a rowboat out into the lake, and I dumped it. And anyway, I don't know how the word got to the cops, but they came to my door, bang, 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 and I was busted, okay? And so um, anyway, that was age 13, where my, you know, where I, I, I stepped into the legal system and... Um, and they said, oh, when, when I turned 18, they'd forget it completely, be wiped off my record. But it seems like every year they reminded me um, after that. But anyway, my mom, I'll see what she says again. So Mike, the speaker, the both speaker is what he's coming out of. Right? Once, when I said to Donna, she's an expert. Was it harder to be a mom than you thought? Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> really? It's hard. Do you think you went into it naively? Do you know the day you stole that motorcycle? I was teaching a Bible class, and I said to Donna, oh, Bob, the police are just came to our door. Bob stole a motorcycle. She said, oh, yeah, you can't leave, you can't leave the class anymore. So that was the end of any influence I had in that church. Well, that was an influence that you had. Isn't that stupid? That was very stupid of Donna. Donna was a pastor's wife. So you think a mother of someone that steals motorcycles should what? still be able to? You think a mother of someone who steals motorcycles should still be able to teach the Bible? He what? He's, he's saying, do you think that because you, you're the mother of a son who stole a motorcycle do you think that you should be able to teach a bible class of course <laughs> of course yeah just think moses's mother was a she she gave birth to a murderer and that didn't keep god from calling him to be the liberator of israel I know, I so god didn't say well that was just a little time in your life that's okay i mean didn't i don't resent that it's just too crazy. And I asked Bud why you do that. He said, he's been all cooped up at Bellevue Christian School. Bud helped me understand it. I was a pastor. He understood it perfectly. Yeah. I, I forgave Donna for that. That was one of my main things to forgive. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, I, I that might have been the reason that I felt completely excluded from my church. And, you know, um, and I was the equivalent of a tatted up, you know, pierced person back in the 60s and 70s. You know, I had long hair and I was tattered pants. And that was about as as street radical as you could get at the time. Right. <laughs> but if, if I grown up now, I, you know, I'd be covered with tattoos and, and I, I, you know. 
but back then that's what I was. And so people looked at me and they, and they didn't, they didn't give me any, um, you know, any attention. And I felt completely rejected. I left the church pretty much at that point at age 13 and didn't come back until um, being in Honduras uh, where we got invited by these, you know, gunslinging kind of uh, wild west guys, you know, peasants, the people that we trained and we worked with who a lot of them, you know, had big scars right through the middle of their face from being slit with a machete. You know, it was, a gut, it was a very wild, violent place. And they were the ones that welcomed us and said, hey, you know, a lot of us are really violent. Um, maybe it would help us if we did a Bible study. Could you lead us in a Bible study? And that's how I got into, Gracie and I got into pastoring, was we got invited by the people who didn't even, we weren't even trying to promote it. And that's where I got recruited, really. And um, But since I'd experienced the kind of rejection on a way less love, way, lo way lower level than a, what a lot of you guys have experienced, but since I had experienced rejection and I identified with that pain, that's kind of been something that helped me actually just have a have compassion and a desire to work with, you know, people in our jail and prison system and, and the people that we're trying to reach out to here. I, I can identify with that feeling of being excluded and being uh, disqualified. And so but I, I really believe that Jesus is about a whole nother way. And I just love Jesus so much because that's what he's like. Um, you know, Jesus, earlier in Matthew's gospel, like uh, some of the disciples, they're with their mom. And the mom is saying, hey, you know, when you come into your kingdom, you know, she thought he was going to have power right then and there, you know. Uh, she wasn't imagining that he was going to be crucified and, you know, but before that arrested and tortured and incarcerated and then crucified, right? So they're like, hey, when, when you come into your kingdom, will you put my sons at your left and your right? And Jesus goes, oh, man, you don't know what you're asking, lady. You know, um, are, the, are you able to drink the cup that I'm able to drink? And the sons are like, oh, yeah, no problem. You know, we're ready to fight and die. You know, we got our AKs and, you know, we're, we're, we're ready to just uh, be your, your right and your left now, Jesus. And he says, you know, um, sitting at my right, you, know, you will drink the cup, but to sit at my right or my left, it's not for me to give, but it's for my father. And then he says, then the other disciples get really angry at the other at the disciples for, you know, for trying to get that special position. Right. And so Jesus calls them to himself and said, you know, that the rulers of, um, of the nations lord it over the people and their great men exercise authority over them. It's not this way among you, not this way among you guys, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. So Jesus didn't come to be served, to be this power person, you know, who had authority over everybody. Um, and he wants us to be like that too. He says, I came to serve, not to be served. And it's so beautiful, so humble. And, you know, there's all these scriptures about humbling ourselves, right? And uh, Jesus, in James 4, humble yourself in the presence of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Um, or First um, Peter, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you at the proper time. Right. And so like this path of just being a humble leader of sorts, you know, where we're not calling ourselves leaders, but we're just trying to follow Jesus and do what he calls us to do.
that's what we want to be about, you know, because there's not time for us just to wait around for everyone to discover that General Webb is welcoming. You know, we've got to reach out to people, you know, like we need to go to where people are, right? And and we need to uh, show the love uh, that we experience out there to to, to others. Um, there's a really beautiful um, writer that I found um, who was like fourth century. His name is um, Rab Rabbi Joseph. He said, my son, your work must be done before God with full fervor, free from all slackness. Humble yourself as is fitting before God in secret so that he may make you worthy of the sublime gift of which you are unworthy. Humble yourself also before your brothers in public so that the blessing of the Lord may rest upon you. Think within yourself that your brothers and sisters are better than you in the eyes of God. Make yourself the least, the lowest, the last of all, secretly and publicly. Take care of yourself and be vigilant so as not to be captured by the evil one. Do not boast of what you've received. And through this, you will also learn simple obedience. For there's no obedience without humility and no virtuous life without obedience. You know, like, like being a follower of Jesus is about like being obedient. Like, because we don't know what the way is, the best way is to do things. So we, we need to be like praying and saying, hey, God, like, how do I, how do I talk to this person? Where, what do you want with me today? Um, you know, like, um, I got, a, I got, I had a, uh, a dream this week where I saw someone who's been part of our community and I was, he was all downcast and upset and, um, and he, cause he was heading to prison. Okay. And I thought, what? And I woke up and I thought, I wonder if I'm supposed to call him. And I thought, yeah, I better call him. And, but I put it off. Then I thought, no, I better not put it off. So I called him right away and he called me back and I said, I don't know if this is a warning, if it's a warning dream or, or what, but I just, I just thought maybe you need to hear this because maybe you need to be careful. Like, you know, because maybe the enemy has a plan to take you out and send you back into prison. Or I guess he hadn't been to prison. He just done jail time. But, you know, and he said, oh, man, wow, that's crazy, dude. Thank you. And, um, and you know, obedience to me is about, like, simply following something like that. Like God saying, hey, you know, um, act on this. If you sense that you need to call somebody or visit somebody. You know, do it when when you feel like you're supposed to do it because it could be a lifesaver, um, right? And it's it's like we want to be people that are, um, and we have to be humble enough so that we can be available to God. Because if I think, oh yeah, I know what I'm supposed to do, I know everything, then I'm not really on point with what the Holy Spirit wants for me. So there's one more scripture that I want us to read. You know, um, Jesus. Um, Right after he was resurrected, a lot of the disciples thought, whoa, you know, you did win. Okay, we're on the winning side. Yay. So when they gathered with him, they said, um, Jesus, their Lord, is it this Is it this time now when you're going to um, restore the kingdom to Israel? Is now the time when you're going to cast out the Romans and we're going to see all the, the new heaven and the new earth like come right now? And Jesus says, um, it's not for you to know times or periods which the father has fixed by his own authority. Okay. Like it's not even me who knows, right? He, Jesus doesn't say, well, yeah, you know, I'm the chief and I know when it's going to be, but I'm not going to tell you. No, Jesus says like, it's not for you to know. It's the father who knows. Right. And then he says, um, but you will receive power when the Holy spirit has come upon you. 
He doesn't even say, you're going to receive power when I give it to you right now. Jesus is so humble that he just points to the Holy Spirit. First, he points to the Father. Then he says, but you guys, you're going to receive power, not because we're going to have, you know, we're going to have the revolution now, but because the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you will be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. So being a witness, that's what we can be right now. What is a witness? A witness is someone that says, hey, look, I was stressing about my job and I, 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 I had to quit it because it was just miserable. And I prayed. I just said, God, you know, you know that I'm just so unhappy. And this job came available, came available. God answered my prayer. Being a witness is like sharing testimony about what God is doing in your own life. Right. And that's something all of us can do. And, and that's something that um, God wants to mobilize us to be part of this movement that's going to that, that makes a difference for us. And other people are going to want to be part of that, too, because we all need change in our lives, don't we? We all we all um, everyone out there needs to have reasons to hope. And if, so if we're if we're sharing and people are seeing, wow, Jessica, look at her. She's you know, she's growing, you know, Josh, you know, wow, he's becoming like just so much more uh, secure and peaceful. You know, um, whatever, you know, when when people see the changes in our lives, they're going to they're going to wonder, wow, you know, what happened to Alfredo? You know, man, what's what's up with you, Alfredo? And hey, well, you know, I'm just like I've been praying more, you know, and God's been answering my prayers, and giving me peace and helping me. And you can do that, too. Right. And that's how our ministry is going to reach people is by us just having our influence over the people in our circle of influence. So I just want to pray for us, okay? I believe God is calling all of us to be part of his movement, and no one's excluded. So let's pray. So Jesus, thank you that you just went out right to where the people were, and you called them, and you said, follow me, and I will make you become a fisher of people. Thank you, Lord, that, you, um, that you're looking for um, workers and to join you in your movement. And, and thank you. Jesus, that you bring us to know your father and our father, and, and we're all brothers and sisters. Help us to just uh, learn to love one another as brothers and sisters and to be part of your movement. Strengthen us and just give us inspiration to be able to go out there. Thank you that you don't exclude people based on whether they look righteous or not, or whether they have a, don't have or don't have a criminal history. Thank you that you that you really aren't ashamed of us. You're, you love us and you, and you want to be identified. You want, to, you want us to speak. For you and bear witness uh, about you. We just pray for your help. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.